Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Steel Talking. It is now 8.07, and I am excited to introduce to you our next guest. Thank you for sticking and staying with us on a Sunday night. This is a man who is a good friend to WCCO and so many others. Uh, we know him in the music business. He has been so involved for decades in the Minnesota sound and music scene as a reporter, promoter. And he's joining us to, dis- to discuss one of his other passions. You're not going to believe this. Uh, UFOs. And if anybody can talk about it well, he's the one. Now, um, I have to say right away that he is actually going to do a reading and a Q&A with participants at Eat My Words, which is um, at 214 13th Avenue Northeast. I'll mention this again later on in the um, interview. And that's in Minneapolis Northeast uh, next Saturday, August 21st at 2 p.m. So we want to make sure we mention that one more time. But Marty Keller is here to talk about his brand new book. Hey, Marty, how are you? Hey, Carolyn, thanks for that big send-up. Man, I'm going to have to be on my game tonight. <laughs> oh, and let me tell you something. You're always on your game. And second of all, this is the perfect time to introduce a new UFO book. Um, all of the countries are getting together and telling what they know about uh, alien travel or aliens on our in, on our planet. Um, we're starting to the governments are starting to come forward and say we're so sorry we didn't tell you about this, but you all need to know these are things that have actually happened. Um, so it's really the perfect time to do it. Do you agree? Oh yeah, I couldn't have I couldn't have gotten any luckier in terms of timing. And you know, I, I spent over ten years writing this book. If, and I took two years off for different personal and professional reasons where I didn't write word one about it. And, and if I, you know, if I hadn't taken that two years off, I, I the book would have come out probably two years ago and I would be playing catch up. But man, you know, that federal government report that dropped on June 25th didn't have a whole lot to say that was new. But it uh, certainly excited the news media internationally, and uh, I think the consensus among long-time people who have followed this subject and had their own UFO sightings and high-strangeness experiences say if there's any positive from the report, which was all of nine pages, if you can believe it, uh, if there's anything positive that can come out of it, it's that uh, the news media now the mainstream media especially has taken this as a serious subject and we'll see where it goes from here. And that's only because these respected voices have come forward, whether it's the heads of government and various countries all over the world, or if it's just people we know and love and respect here in our own country. When you get those voices involved and they back you up, you got something. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I think it really started with uh, that explosive December 2017 New York Times story that talked about a secret government study of uh, what they now call unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAPs, which is just a you know a, a worthless rebranding of the whole UFO uh, word or mindset. But uh, it it's been a, it's a new day really. But uh, there's so much that has gone unsaid by government officials and most people, including myself. And I get into this pretty thoroughly in the book. Would would really like a, an official disclosure because U.S. government's known what these things are for 70 years or more, and they've studied them time and again through the decades. And uh, it, it's time to come forward with a with, with with the truth. How has not knowing the truth been detrimental to us as Americans? Well, that's a really good question, and it probably deserves three or four different answers. But, uh, you know, a couple of quick thoughts on that. Uh, you know, a lot of people are still in disbelief that this is a real subject, that there may be, in fact, E.T. craft regularly um, surveilling us, interacting with uh, with uh, pilots in the Navy, as we've seen in those shoddy-looking uh, Tic Tac videos as they been known to be called mm-hmm. I like TikTok, yeah. TikTok videos because they're mm-hmm. so poorly produced. They're shot through infrared cameras, and and uh, you know the subject has been marginalized over the years, in large part because of the entertainment industry has created a whole genre unto itself about these. And you know these ETs are always evil. They're going to take us over. They're going to eat our lunch. They're going to eat us for lunch. Uh, which is just complete uh, hyperbola and and fantasy. Um, Danny Aykroyd, who, who wrote the preface to my book, was very yeah. Generous. I saw that. Yeah, that's very amazing. Generous. I mean, he really he threw praises on you for writing this book, which allowed him to tell his story like you told yours. Yeah, well, Dan's been into this as long as I have. We're both long-suffering, lifelong uh, observers of of this, and you know, my book is. I like to think of it as a historical, cultural, and personal memoir because it has all of those elements, including my earliest UFO sightings in high school out in western North Dakota with three friends and then with a friend of mine in, in a, a park earlier in, the, in that week in which we encountered a red orb that kind of hung in front of us for 10, 10 minutes or so. We didn't know what the hell this thing was. And, and uh, you know, the book looks at that, looks at another incident of five little orbs in my bedroom at 4.03 in the morning in the early 90s when I was kind of getting reacquainted with this subject again. And some of the some of that story, that storyline in the book that runs through it is a little frustrating, not just to me, but probably to readers because they never really firmly established what the heck those things were. I mean, are they ETs? Are they some sort of spiritual man- manifestation, some sort of supernatural thing, or something that we d- we don't know anything about, a true, truly unknown? But what is the difference between an ET or, um, like you said, something spiritual? Wouldn't that be the same? They're still ETs, right? Well, I, I think there are, t- there are ETs, but I think the, you know, there's, there's some well-defined lines between what would constitute an, an ET or an extraterrestrial biological entity 
more scientific term. Um, I think the spiritual stuff is, is more at another higher level and maybe a higher vibration. And I mean, that's that's part of the problem with this whole issue is is defining terms that we can all agree on. And I think even the the researchers who who've been poking around in this for decades are you know would would be the first to say like well no ETs aren't spiritual beings and spiritual beings aren't ETs yeah well said well said you know we've been trying to figure this whole thing out for ever for thousands of years we it's been in paintings spacecrafts or UFOs have been in in da Vinci's paintings and others and, and as you look at this and you see how far back it goes it just gets deeper the further back you go what did you learn in this book that really surprised you and by the way the name of the book is called the space pen club close encounters of the fifth kind UFO disclosure consciousness and other mind zoomers do I have that correct that's it wow man that's a lot <laughs> I've always been known to be a long-winded uh, a writer, and there it is right there in my title of my own book. <laughs> Proof but, uh, positive. <laughs> you know, what did I learn? You know, the the whole writing experience was something of a learning experience. Um, you know, I go looking for uh, the truth to my own personal experiences, but also to the broader effort of government and, more importantly, um, Public, you know, public citizens groups like the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, otherwise known as CSETI, founded by Dr. Stephen Greer. They have their own uh, initiative called the Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind Initiative, CE5, which is human-initiated contact. And I served as Greer's PR guy in the in the 90s for about six or seven years, and we had some pretty amazing adventures, including in Mexico, uh, in the volcano zone, where there's the second largest active vo- volcano in the world, Mount Popo, as the locals call it. Uh, that that's a UFO hotspot. Um, you know, citizens groups are, are really, I think, the the sort of uh, groups that are really going to make a true disclosure happen. The government has had plenty of opportunities to do this, including in June recently with their big dud of, of a report. And uh, it's been proven historically that citizens groups are usually the ones to make the government come forward with the truth. Like, for example, the uh, atomic testing on uh, civilians and military personnel as the atomic age uh, arose in the 40s and 50s. For years, uh, people were claiming, like, uh, you guys, you you irradiated our our servicemen and women, and they died from these horrible cancers, and, and the government kept denying it, kept denying it. And then in the 90s, under... Uh, Department of Energy Secretary Hazel uh, O'Leary, who's actually from the Twin Cities, under she served under Clinton. Mm-hmm. She uh, finally came out and said, "Yeah, these claims are true. We're opening the files. Uh, the government did, in fact, do all these horrendous experiments." So why did they op- why did they open the files? Well, it was public pressure, really, and you know there've been enough stories written about it through the years, and I, I think finally they just said, "You know, this is a." This is a zero-sum game for all of us, and I'm sure the government's going to be paying out millions of dollars on those claims, many for individuals and families who have since passed on. But, you know, I think the same pressure uh, cumulatively with uh, 
continued media coverage, media asking smart questions about it for once, rather than rolling their eyes, and which a lot of people still do, and and citizens group uh, continuing to to press for uh, public disclosure that that might get it done officially one day. How many stories are in this book, not just your own, but from others? Well, <laughs> the funny thing is, one of the things Dan Aykroyd says in his very generous introduction is that this book is so well-researched it could serve as a bibliography mm-hmm. for anybody looking for good sources on what, what books to read or websites. Um, I hopefully quoted the best research I've read over you know 20 to 30 years and some of the, the more recent news stories that are quoted in there. I mean, I was revising this final two chapters in this book right up until publication earlier this summer because there was such a fire hose of news coming out about it and I said, oh my God, i got to get this into the book. So mm. there's a, quite a lot of good research there in addition to my own personal experiences. I think we should pay attention to what um, we are seeing the billionaires do, trying to get into space, not just trying, but actually accomplishing it. Um, And it seems to be a rush to get more and more done. Do you feel like it's all the information is now being spilled because there is something else that we don't know that is coming? I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just trying to figure out when the government decides or other countries uh, decide to all at the same time, let's tell everybody the truth, UFOs are real and aliens are real, then there's a reason for that. And for me, it's okay, then why are you telling us now? Well, that, that's a great question, and I raise that question late in the book. You know, why why is this happening now? And that, that really hasn't been answered other than the fact that uh, when people like the – when publications like the New York Times start writing front-page stories about it and uncovering these secret um, – investigative units within military and intelligence agencies you know that's a big deal but but why now other than the fact that you know mark rubio you know started to raise questions about it and congress created this this office to officially release information which is something that's never been done before Never been done before. So where do we go from here? How do we start to prepare ourselves to hear more and more about these alien encounters? Who do we believe and how do we know for sure? Well, that's an excellent question, and that's one I raise in in the Space Pen Club book. Uh, I think you have to be very discerning, trying to read the trusted sources on this, and people who have been in the field for a long time, like Dr. Greer, whose three films, documentary films, that were released over the last three years, including Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, that's the most recent one. Uh, You need to really read on your own and research on your own if you can. There's a lot of garbage information out there, a lot of disinformation out there. Um, And uh, try to find the sources you feel intuitively and intellectually that are getting the job done that that aren't just, you know, spinning the same old uh, myths about these as being hostile invaders. There's there's really no proof of that. If you look through the literature and uh, you talk to people who are doing the investigations on this. So are people looking at the former president and saying, hey, he wanted this galactic, what was the name of that uh, 
the the warriors that were going to get out there, the galactic something to fight um, uh, the 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 aliens that are coming to America. Do you remember that when when uh, the former President Trump was talking about that? Oh yeah, I know Trump wanted to start uh, the space the space force. I think he called it. Yeah, it's something galactic it's still, or something. It's still like going that. to happen, but you know, as as Greer and some other people who've been studying this for a long time and understand the secrecy and how and why it works uh they'll tell you that there's probably been some version of the space force going back to the 50s or 60s and that the that the uh the vaunted uh american space program that we all watched as kids grew up in the space age uh those programs are really more of a public front if you will yeah well, I think those of you that have encountered aliens um, are already pre-prepared to a certain extent. But I can just imagine how you think to yourself and go, okay, so what's next? How bad is this going to get? For me, the big question is, and please don't laugh, are we at the top of the food chain? Do we, stay, do we remain at the top of the food chain? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, the, <laughs> the universe is a, is a very big place. They're finding yes, out is. more and more about it every day Infinite. with this advanced technology. Uh, I think Galileo was the first to uh, say, you know, number one, the Earth does not, is not the center of the universe, and, you know, he was almost burned at the stake for that. Uh, number two, we're, we're finding out, as Ed Mitchell, astronaut, Apollo astronaut Ed Mitchell, sixth man to walk on the moon, says at one point in my book, you know, it's it's becoming clearer and clearer that we may not be the the high point of the creative universe as we know it, and that uh, you look around in the way we've managed things on Earth from wars and environmental degradation that, you know, and, and race issues, even that alone, you know, that one could argue that we probably aren't, <laughs> aren't the highest and brightest uh, link in the food chain, and, and we should start thinking about uh, what we might learn from these other more advanced beings that are obviously making their way here in, in some fashion. Let me tell you, when the fast food places start making burgers out of plants, it's time to talk. So I'm really <laughs> glad that you, call, that you uh, called in tonight and that we were able to have you on. The name of the book is The Space Pin Club, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, UFO Disclosure, Consciousness, and Other Mind Zoomers. And it's in paperback uh, already. Where can they get it? Everywhere? You can get, you can get it on Amazon. You can go to your favorite local bookstore and they can order it, but it, they're going to be ordering from Amazon as well. So we're just starting to get books into bookstores. So, and before I let you go, we have to read this again. We will, you will be doing a reading and Q and A with participants at Eat My Words Bookstore, and that's at two one four thirteenth. 13th Avenue, Northeast Minneapolis, next Saturday. That's August 21st at 2 p.m. with help of T.D. Mishke, the former WCCO radio host. Congratulations to you, Marty. This is Thanks, huge. Thanks, I'd love to give you a book. If you want to come on down to Northeast on Saturday, I'll sign it for you. And, uh, you know, that the bookstore is right in the heart of Northeast. There's a lot of good restaurants there. You can go chow down afterwards. <laughs> there you go. Take care, Marty, and congratulations. You too, and thanks for thanks for the uh, time tonight. More than welcome, sir. All right, it is eight twenty-five. We'll be back in just a moment.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. My goodness, this has been a great um, 8 o'clock hour. I'm excited about the next half hour. At 8.33, we're going to have Frank Chase join us, and you're going to hear all about who he is. We have a segment called So What Do You Do? And, of course, we've been counting down to the State Fair, so it's the perfect person to join us tonight. I can't wait to talk to Frank Chase and find out what he's up to, what his company is all about. I think I get it because in the title it makes sense to me, but sometimes we find out that whoever it is that we are profiling uh, here on WCCO, it can be a little different than what you expected. So do stay tuned. For So What Do You Do with Frank Chase? We are counting down to the State Fair. Are you ready? I am so ready. (laughs) We'll be back in just a moment. What? What? So what do you do? What? What? This is a segment where we get a chance to try to find out what do people do. You ever walk into an industrial park and you look on the door and see what the name of their company is? You try to figure out what exactly do they do? Well, tonight, the one that we have, I think I know what he does. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. His name is Frank Chase. Uh, Let me tell you about him. Andy's Diner has been around for 15 years, starting with the global market and then expanded to another location in Uptown. And now they are taking a shot at expanding to a location at the Minnesota. 
Minnesota State Fair. This is amazing. Frank Chase, uh, Frank Chase bought the business 15 years ago from the business um, from the original owners, and he's joining us now to share the story of their 12-year application application process and the wait to make it to the state fair. Welcome, Andy, or I should say Frank. It's so good to have you join us. And I am just amazed that it took that long for your application to be processed. Well, thank you so much for very much for having me. Well, yeah, it was a long process. You know, one of the, you know, one of the hurdles that we had to, you know, surpass is kind of funny is, is that, you know, when we were at the Midtown Global Market, you know, we were the American restaurant at the global market. And so uh, since the um, uh, Midtown Global Market has a booth at the state fair in the International Bazaar, you know, they were showcasing uh, entrepreneurs uh, at, from the Midtown Global Market, which is a business incubator for people who are getting them stick into business. <clears throat> so that was myself. But then, you know, we really didn't appeal too much to the uh, Minnesota uh, State Fair at the time because, you know, we had American food. And we were called Andy's, and there's already an Andy's girl there. So there was, they did not express a lot of interest in us, and we kept on asking, you know, can we be into the into the booth at the international at the international bazaar with the NGM booth? And you know, we were just kind of, you know, they weren't that interested in us uh, because they had, you know, Safari, uh, Safari Express, and they had, you know, Taco Cat, and they had. Uh, you know, Holy Land and Manny Sortas and Hot Indian, you know, well, all these other fusion restaurants or uh, um, restaurants that are uh, uh, international in a sense. So, you know, we we had a long process, but during that whole time, you know, we were thinking, well, what's going to set us apart and what's going to get us into, uh, you know, call the interest of the uh, Midtown Global Market and also the interests of the um, of the state fair. And um, so this past year during the pandemic, you know, of course, everybody, you know, pivoted, right? And right. since I'm trying, trying to figure out how can we, you know, how can we, you know, make ourselves better? So one of the things we did were, you know, I'm Latino, and so um, it's Latino-owned and women-owned. You know, my wife and I own the, own Andy's, and, uh, you know, we... We were sitting around, like, you know, tossing the idea around, you know, we're still American because, you know, we're, I'm, I am, you know, America. I was born in the United States, but I have Latino, you know, American Latino roots. And of so course. we thought, well, let's do tacos, right? Tacos and tamales, because that's what we know how to do. You know, we've been doing burgers and fries, you know, for 14 years. Like, we knew how to do that, and we do, we do it really well. You know, we use uh, uh, certified Angus beef, and, you know, it's all nothing ever frozen, you know, it's great ingredients, and, you know, fresh buns, you know, leaf lettuce, the whole nine yards, and we do it really well. But, you know, like, let's do something else that we really like to do. You know, what do we eat at home? We eat tacos, and we eat burritos, and stuff like that. So let's, let's introduce this into part of our menu, and, uh, and, and which we did, and it's, uh, it's been very successful. So as to kind of, kind of turn this conversation back, is, you know, we were trying to develop something that would appeal to, to everybody. And one of the things we were thinking about was uh, a vegan corn dog. Mm. And, um, you know, which is American, right? You know, it's like totally American. And vegan, which, you know, 10 years ago was not like a, you know, 
really a hot topic, you know. For, right. <laughs> for, for, you know, for most people, right? You know, but now vegan is kind of like turned the corner where it's into everybody's food now. You know, everybody eats. You know, we're eating more vegetables. We're told to eat more vegetables. We're told to mm-hmm. eat more different varieties of food, more fish, and, you know, lay off the beef and lay off all this other kind of stuff. And so we're trying to develop my son, Icarus Chase. You know, he was playing around with a formula trying to figure something out. And we, you know, we're not food scientists. You know, even though I have a degree in food science and technology from Texas A&M, you know, I really didn't know how to get to buying, you know, black beans and, you know, and veggies and stuff like that together. Uh, so we were, you know, as we got it, they said, present us something. So the Midtown Global Market and the, and the Minnesota State Fair this, this year, back in February, they said present us something. So we, got, we went right back to our corn, our, our vegan corn dogs. But he says, well, let's try, you know, let's go to the Herbivore's Butcher and get some product from them. And we'll try to figure out how they formulated it. But so we like tried it, and they had this chorizo, this vegan chorizo, that's packed in a tube. And so we sliced some of that up and made our vegan corn dog batter, which we already had down. We were just trying to find that the outside part. We we're trying to find something put inside of it. And lo and behold, this vegan chorizo is just fabulous, so good. It's not like regular chorizo, like like beef or or pork chorizo, mm-hmm. which can kind mm-hmm. of be heavy. You know, it's really fatty and stuff like that. But this vegan chorizo is just absolutely, you know, fabulous. But the tube is about two inches in diameter. So when we slice it up, we put it on a stick and put it in a batter, it looks like a lollipop. Oh, wow. That's why it's called a cherry pop. (laughs) Exactly. It looks exactly like 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 a lollipop. And you bite into that thing, and, you know, we got a nice sweet batter on it. A nice crusty outside, and then you bite into the chorizo. And if you didn't know that it was vegan, you go like, "Oh, you know, this is vegan." Because everybody gets yeah. this idea that vegan is bad. Like, it doesn't taste good. Not bad, but it doesn't taste good. It's going to taste, you know, really funny. Oh, so, what what are you hearing from some of the people that have tried it already? Are you already set up out there at the state fair, or is that, you know, are you ready? Oh, we're ready. Yeah, we're. You know, with the herbivores butcher is, you know, prepared us, you know, a thousand pounds, you know, which we hopefully will be enough for this for six days because we're sharing the booth with uh, with another vendor from uh, from the Midtown Global Market, uh, Los Campo. And um, so we're, you know, hoping we're going to have that's going to be enough. But we're also featuring like fried tamales, which is a uh, which is another so we have like a chicken fried tamale, like a a, a verde, you know, a green chicken, you know, tomatillo uh, uh, tamale that's battered and fried too as well, and a vegan one too, which made with uh, Oaxaca cheese. So you know, well, that's how you pronounce that. Fried. Okay. <laughs> so so we're featuring Oaxaca, right? O a x a c a Oaxaca um, with Oaxaca cheese. And so we're featuring both items, and we're also featuring orchata uh, milkshakes and orchata cones. So you uh, had the opportunity to present the foods that you wanted to make and sell. They didn't say to you, tell us what you're thinking about, and we'll let you know if you can do that. No, no. It was like totally like, you know, let's get the dice out. 
you know, let's give it our best shot. And that's what we did. But we had an idea what we've been wanting to do for years. You know, this has been on our, you know, we just never really had the opportunity because now we're marrying, you know, a couple great things, you know, American food, you know, what's what's more American than out of state fair than a corn dog, right? Nice. And, but we've got, <laughs> but now we've got this Mexican chorizo, right? Uh, and and it's vegan, and so now we got you know American food, we got Mexican food, we got this international, you know, product that just fits perfectly in with the state fair. And you know our restaurant now we're we're calling it you know American comfort food and Mexican comfort food. We're blending both items. We've got burgers and tacos and burritos, and so we're blending that idea because that's who we are. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know my dad is American, my mother is Mexican, and you know we're blended. And you know so now we're presenting a food product that's going to be I think perfect for the state there. Well, congratulations on getting into the state fair. The big concern for a lot of people that I can't wait to have the foods that they love is how um, are you going to make sure that the food is safe in this heat? How do you make sure that, um, you know, are you wearing masks? Are you expecting people to come up to your, uh, I'm assuming it's a, um, it's not a building, right? You have a, um, I forget what it's called, but you have a a small area where you do this or are you in an actual building? Well, we're we're outside, okay. And, you know, we're at the International Bazaar, which is right next to the haunted house. So that right. you kind of get your. So we're back inside there, and you know, it's a it's a building with a, uh, uh, with stalls inside of it, right? And it right. has a door, but you know, we're you know we have a, a hood, and we're the the state health inspectors, you know, the Minneapolis Department, I guess, and that might be St. Paul. You know, they come out and they inspect us, you know, and they make sure our coolers are cold. They make sure that, you know, that uh, that we're cooking the food to, to the right temperatures uh, and that we're holding everything right and that we're using our gloves. And, and we are going to be wearing masks just for the uh, to, for the safety of everybody that's going to be out there. Uh, you know, we, we are all at our, at my stores are, uh, we're all vaccinated right now. And, you know, and it was, just, it was their choice, but. You know, we're working with the public, and they all knew they didn't want to get, uh, uh, they didn't want to be exposed to COVID. And so, you know, we all went and got our first opportunity we could get vaccinated. We went out there and got vaccinated. We wanted to have a safe environment for our customers and for ourselves. Yeah. So how many um, workers do you have working with you as just a small family business? Well, you know, actually, you know, we uh, we have a large uh yeah, I have about twenty employees between the two restaurants. Awesome. Uh, most, yeah, most of them are, are family, family related, friends of family. So yeah, that's the way uh, it should I, be. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I love it. You know, I have a mother daughter team. I have a brother sister team. Uh, you know, I have a, a husband and wife team. I have you know another brother sister team. You know, we we all you know, a father son team. You know, I mean okay. we're all related and we've known each other for you know since the very beginning okay so not only are you at the state fair in two locations i think um you are also you have a second location now in uptown right that's correct yeah right so we started our original location was located at the midtown global market global market yeah 
which is the old Sears building. So that big right. sign on Chicago and Lake Street says Midtown. We're located inside there. Uh, so that was where we started out. And then just recently, you know, we opened up in January 2020, and which was not a good uh, year to start. Um, but we opened up over in uh, Uptown in, on the corner of uh, West Lake Street and Humboldt, right across from Lund. Ah. Uh, which, is, which is the old, old Brugger's Bagel. That's right. I just passed that the other day and I said, oh my gosh, who's going in there? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what happened. Yeah, we're there. We're inside there. And, uh, uh, you know, actually we're, we're doing better and better by the day. You know, we have, um, you know, we pride ourselves on great customer service and quality food. Meaning, uh, like our, our moniker is uh, fresh made every day. So we're trying to do at the, at the Andy Signer at number one uptown. We're trying to, um, you know, if we can't make it ourselves, you know, right. make it, prepare it ourselves fresh, we're not going to sell it. So, wow. uh, you know, yeah, so it's like it, it's not coming frozen. It's not in a box. I mean, you know, it does come in a box, you know. Our, so, but like, you know, our our salsas, you know, they're house made and our blender right there in the back of the in the right. in the back of the kitchen, you know, we you know we have you know uh, Patty, you know she's back there making tamales, you know, five days a week, and uh, you know and like and they're like hand rolled and you know we're doing everything by hand back there, you know nothing in factory made, so it's all like when you get our right. Tamales, this is just comfort food. I mean, this is the kind of food we expect when you go to a state fair, and I have to tell you, this is bold. You waited those twelve years to get this whole um, application approved and here you are you are doing it so congratulations to you this is a big big deal um, a lot of people wonder how in the world do I get into the state fair well you could be one I, I encourage you to do a TEDx talk or something so people know how to do it because it's so difficult it's not an easy thing Frank so thank you for coming on tonight and, and letting us know what it means to now be at the state fair after buying this business 15 years ago 15 years ago from the original owners, and then it took 12 years for the application process to be finalized. My goodness. I know you're going to have a great time, and I can only imagine that big smile on your face. So uh, when I come out there, I'm going to look for you, okay? Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking your time and letting me be on the show with you. All right, Frank Chase, thank you so much. My goodness, there's a whole lot going on at the State Fair, and I know many people are asking the question with the variant, what do we hear? Just keep your eyes and ears and uh, open so that we can receive all the truths we need to receive about going to the state fair. If you need to wear a mask in certain areas, that sort of thing. Make sure you know what your children should have or should not have, uh, you know, with them or what they should touch and shouldn't touch, whether it's the animals and that sort of thing as well. So we'll talk more about the uh, state fair next Sunday, hopefully. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. It is now 8.55 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Gerilyn Steele. And I tell you, um, I am looking for so many different ways to find out about companies I've never heard of before. So, so what do you do if you guys have some ideas of some of the ones that we can interview? Don't hesitate to send it in to Jimmy Erickson or Jonathan Lowe. Uh, or me. So um, that would be great. And I'm excited about Center Stage tonight. Our first guest will be Shannon 
Kearns, and um, we're going to talk about the Uprising Theater. There's a lot to talk about if you haven't heard about that. Um, at um, We're also going to have Phil Thompson join us, and he has three straight nights performing at the Chanhassen. He's going to be doing the Billy Joel and Elton John music, so we got a lot to talk to him about. Also, Story Hill is going to join us. I'm sorry, not Story Hill. <laughs> Chris Cunningham is going to join us because over three decades of making music for Minnesota, that's the duel. Story Hill, and um, they'll, we're going to hear all about what they're doing. And then, of course, at 10 o'clock, it's the Mom and Michael Hour. I am so excited about that. Um, it's my favorite hour. But before I let you go about the Center Stage show, I'm really hoping that Lowell uh, um, Pickett will join us from the Dakota. We have not gotten an update from the Dakota when they are going to open or um, what is what is the hold up or, you know, I know that they've been hiring and doing so much more. So many people are asking about when is the Dakota going to open? So hopefully we'll get a quick update from my friend Lowell Pickett, the owner, um, one of the owners of the Dakota at 1010 Nicollet uh, Avenue. So you don't want to miss this. It's a great location and we just all need to know all about it. Also, I want to talk about um, in the center stage what is happening with my sister and I. You heard us talk about it last um, time I was on, week before last, and we had the chance to do our big concert and it was really fun. So I want to tell you all about that as well. So don't go away. We got a lot to talk about. Have some fun. No doubt about it. Where the night is not over yet. So stay tuned. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.